0: Yeah, Thank you guys for coming out again. It's good to see you. Uh, you know, in my life, uh, there have been a few different books uh, that have shaped my childhood, right? Um, one of them is Ender's Game. I don't know if you've read Ender's Game. I've talked about it before. Uh, I love that series. Uh, my sister, she got an autographed copy of that, of that book for me. I, it's precious to me, um, it, that, that series in particular really jump-started um, my love for books. Um, Chronicles of Narnia is another series that I love. Uh, I'm sure you guys remember, I, I've mentioned it many times in sermons. Uh, I'm sorry about that, maybe too many times. But um, I love that series. The red, red Wall, I don't know if you guys have heard of Red Wall. Um, with, it's, it's like animals kind of fighting each other. It's, 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 Cooler than that, right? But, but it's like it's like kind of a children's thing. Uh, yeah, it's Redwall, and then uh, Animorphs. Any Animorphs fans here? No, just I was a different generation, I guess. I've, you know, they and these all of these series, all of these books have helped me to grow uh, one way or another. And all of these books, and you know, I've realized as I've gotten older and as I, as I've looked back on these books um, that they that there's lessons in these books that I didn't fully grasp as a child that I'm finally now starting to understand as an adult. Now, there's one series that I grew up with that will always be close to my heart, uh, and it's Harry Potter. Harry Potter, right? You know, I grew up with these books. I remember I waited in line with my dad at Barnes & Noble for every, every book that came out. Um, Emma Watson will always have a special place in my heart, um, and I know you know. I know some people don't don't like Harry Potter because of the magic and, and everything. But to be honest, for me, I see a lot more Christ references in Harry Potter. I see a lot. Of, I see a lot of good stuff. So um, that's just my opinion. So deal with it. So uh, now now there's a reason why I'm bringing this up. In the second book, Chambers of Chamber of Secrets, uh, there's a scene that I really love right? And there's a scene that I really, I'd love to share with you, if I can. Uh, At the very end, we had this climactic scene where Harry, he fights this guy named Tom Riddle. And Tom Riddle is this really evil person, right? He's the epitome of evil. And he finally defeats him. And and afterwards, everything is done. Everything is finished. And everyone goes back home. and, And the It's almost to the very end of the book, and finally, Harry Potter, he sits down in Professor Dumbledore's office, finally takes a breath, and then thinks back to kind of all that's happened. And there's something that Tom Riddle had said to Harry Potter that for Harry, he just couldn't get out of his mind. And it just kept on replaying in his head, and so finally, he just has to say it to Professor Dumbledore, and he says, look, there's this thing that Tom Riddle kept saying, he said that me and him, there's this strange likeness between us, that we're almost too alike in a way. And, and for Harry, it's just, it kept nagging him, he hated that. And for him, he realized that for them, there were a lot of similarities between the two that for him and for the most evil person in the world, that there are characteristics that were so similar between those two, and the only difference between them was that he chose not to be in the same house as Tom Riddle, he said. He said, that is the only reason that separates me from him. That is the only reason that separates me from the most evil person is that I chose to be in a different house. And Dumbledore, he responds by saying, Exactly. Exactly. Because it is our choices that show who we truly are far more than our abilities. And as I've gotten older, uh, and as my relationship with God has grown, I've realized that that statement has been so absolutely true. And it's such a simple, such a brief statement, and yet it is so important that your choices define who you are, far more than absolutely almost anything else that you are able to accomplish in your life. And, you know, there are things that have happened in my life. There are situations that have occurred in my life. And, and yes, there are things that I could have never have imagined, but yet the way that I react, my next step after that, was all my choice. was all my choice. And I think for a lot of us, we play this victim mentality card where we think that, uh, that things are just happening to us constantly. It's just one thing after another, and yet what we see in the Bible again and again and again is saying, God is saying, no, no, you have a choice. That you are able to choose what is good. You are able to choose what is wrong. That in fact, it is a choice to be thankful as a choice to sin. And he says this again and again, and it is our choices that define who we truly are. You see, in this passage, we're not going to be looking at David. We're actually looking at two people who are right next to David. And these two people, they experienced something very similar. They experienced something that happened to David. And these two people, because they were right beside David, they experienced the same exact thing with, to the same exact person at the same exact time, and yet they chose two completely separate things. They had a choice, and they chose completely separately. And for us, I think, what I'm going to show you And what I'm going to ask you to do at the end is for you to choose as well. Because we all have this ability to choose what is right and what is wrong. And I'm going to show you one of the greatest sins of the church, one of the greatest sins that a lot of us deal with, and I'm going to ask you to choose. Because for us, I think, I've been able to counsel and I've been able to talk through, uh, talk with people through, you know, a lot of anger issues, a lot of bitterness, a lot of self, self-worth. But to be honest, I have never met one person in my life, not yet, who has come up to me and asked me to pray about their jealousy towards someone else. I have yet to meet that person who have asked me to pray about their envy, to pray about their jealousy, And yet, I can guarantee you that jealousy is a sin that destroys, completely destroys your relationship with others and your relationship with God. And yet, we barely ever talk about it in the church. And yet, we barely ever talk about it with one another. You know, psychologists, they say that uh, envy is considered a basic emotion, an almost foundational emotion. It's something that is deep within us and a part of who we are. It's almost a natural way for us to kind of be because we're, we're constantly trying to survive in this world. And there have been studies done that show that, you know what, the opposite emotion to envy is actually gratitude. Gratitude. In this passage here, we have two people And in fact, they're father and son. One is the king of Israel, a man who has already secured his throne. A man who has nothing to prove, a man who has nothing to lose. And yet he chooses jealousy. He chose to hate this man named David. And on the other side was his son, Jonathan. A man who had everything to lose a man who knew that if David became famous, a man who knew that if David became even more popular than he was at that moment, that he had the opportunity to take the throne away from Jonathan. And yet Jonathan chose to be thankful. He chose to love him. This world is structured so that we are made to compete with one another. We are forced into situations where we compare one another when it comes to our looks, when it comes to our abilities, when it comes to our lives, we're constantly in comparison with one another. And there's always a winner and there's always losers. And yet in the Bible, it says the complete opposite. In this world where everyone is ranked in every category, There is verse after verse about being thankful in all circumstances. In all circumstances. That whether you have experienced good things, praise the Lord for that. Thank God for what he has done. And yet even in your darkest moment, yet even in the worst situation, even in times when you can't even comprehend what is happening and everyone else is doing well, be thankful. Be thankful. Whether you have much, whether you have little, whether you are rich or poor, be thankful. And it's interesting because this be thankful is a command that God gives. And when he gives a command, the reason he commands is because it's a choice. We are called to choose thankfulness. So you can either look at others in jealousy or you can look at yourself in gratitude. You can either be Saul or you can be Jonathan, but it's your choice. Let's look at verse 8 together. And Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? The foundation of jealousy is comparison. That is the absolute foundation of what jealousy is. You don't just look at what the other person has, you immediately compare what they have to what you don't have. And so the thing that was good for them turns sour because you don't have it. And you stop being satisfied with what you have. You want their looks, you want their school, you want their spouse, you want their life. And so everything they have that you don't have becomes sour. But what happens with jealousy is that it turns even what you have sour as well. You can't enjoy what you do have because you're constantly eyeing what others have. You see, what we see in the Bible is that jealousy turns good people bad. The essence of jealousy is not just being upset when someone's happy, but also being happy when someone's upset. Why do people love when celebrities have scandals? Look, I'll be honest, I look at the People magazine when I'm at the grocery store and I kind of you know, rub my hands a little bit when I see something happen, right? We're all in this together, we all do that too, right? Why do people love to hate the best athlete? Why do people love hating LeBron? Why do you love, people love hating these other great athletes of, of the top tier? Why do people love hating the smartest student, or the richest person? There's no reason for it, except jealousy pushes us to become happy at someone's sadness. And this is what happened to Saul. He began to compare himself with David, and his happiness was dependent on destroying him. And so what happens? It's kind of strange because I'm going to show you something that maybe you haven't really looked at before in verse 10. It says, The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul and he raved in his house. A harmful spirit rushed upon Saul. What does this mean? It's kind of strange. Well, what we see in the Bible is that this term, harmful spirit, is used in other places too. And what we see is that in these instances, there are people who are upset at one another. There are people who are fighting one another. And the Bible tells us that God sends a harmful spirit. And what happens is that they get even more enraged. They get completely blinded by their jealousy. They get completely blinded by their anger. And they go even further in their sin. Saul here was upset. He saw that David was getting more praise than him. He saw that people loved David more. And his heart became bitter and jealous. So God sends a harmful spirit and he gets extremely jealous. What does this mean? You see, when we sin, it's a choice. You have to understand that. When we sin, it is an active choice to go away from God. Jealousy doesn't just come upon us. It doesn't just hit us by surprise. It is a choice that we have to make in the same way that we have to choose gratefulness. But what God does and what the Bible shows is that God is a fair God, that God is a God of justice. And what he does is he gives you more of what you want, he gives you more of what you choose. You see, the punishment for jealousy is more jealousy. Just like the, the reward for gratefulness is more gratefulness. That when, God, he, when, when you choose what is bad, in his fairness, in his goodness, God will choose to give you what you choose. If you choose to run away, then God will let you run. And it's not because he's lacking in love, it's because he's a just God. Do you know why the criminal on the cross next to Jesus, repenting and and going to heaven, do you know why that was such an unbelievable story? Do you know why that was so absolutely rare? You know, sin without true repentance, it doesn't just go away. It doesn't just simply disappear, it stays with you. And those sins, that cheating, that lying, those those things make it harder and harder for you to resist. And it makes it harder and harder for you to go back to where you started. And this is why Saul, he started with jealousy. He started with just simply comparing what he had to what David had. Oh, why are they just praising him that much? They're praising me. They are praising me too. They're praising me a little bit, but they're praising David so much more. And yet, it ended up with him spending the rest of his life trying to kill a man who did nothing wrong. Look, I'm not just talking about jealousy, but I'm talking about every sin. I'm talking about any sin that goes unchecked in your life. And for a lot of us, we're going to wake up tomorrow and we'll realize that We are so completely away from God that it feels impossible to start over. And this is what sin does. This is what unchecked sin does. And this is what happened to Saul. This is the power of jealousy, and this is the power of our choice, brothers and sisters. We have to understand that we are not passive victims in what we are trying to accomplish here. We are active in choosing what is either for us or against us. And for us, we have, to be, we have to understand this to a fine degree or else we're always going to believe that everything is stacked up against us when in fact we are actively choosing what is wrong. And so that is just my simple desire for us to understand that and for us to click that in our minds. And I know that's difficult. I know that's hard for us to hear. And so the next question becomes, how do we stop this? How do we stop jealousy? How do we stop these things from piling up? How do you choose the opposite of a basic emotion, something that the psychologists have said is, are, is ingrained within us? Well, let's look at verses 2 to 4. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. You know, I mentioned before how Jonathan, he had everything to lose. If David became king, Jonathan's line would be finished. He would just be another person. Everything that was promised to him from the minute he was born, would be gone. If anyone had a right to be jealous, it would be Jonathan. And yet, he saw David's success, and what did he do? It says he gave David his robe and his armor. Those two things are hugely significant. The robe was the royal robe, the one that symbolized Jonathan's kingship. By giving his robe, he was laying down his own ambition. He was giving up his own right to the throne because he saw that David was especially anointed by God. And next he gave his armor. What does the armor do? It protects you. It protects you. It is literally the one thing back then that was stopping you from dying in battle, and yet Jonathan gave that to David as well. You see, Jonathan is not just giving up his throne to David, he's giving up his pride and his very life. He sees the talents and the anointing of David, and he doesn't try to block him, he instead tries to pave the path so that God can work even greater. Brothers and sisters, do you do this too? When you see others succeed, when you see God's favor upon someone else, supernatural favor upon someone else where they are succeeding, where they have not even earned any of these different things, and yet God continually blesses them, are you the type of person that blocks them or do you pave the path for them? Because God will bless who he blesses. That is God's decision. That is God's choice. And yet what we can do is be thankful in all circumstances. What we can do is just simply follow God's will. What we can do is simply be happy when other people are happy and be sad when other people are sad. So for you, brothers and sisters, do you block the path or do you pave the path? This is one of the hardest things that we can do. It is. It's so difficult. And yet, Jonathan, he does this gladly. Why does he do this? You see, in this passage, it says that, it says twice actually, that Jonathan loved David. You know, in this world, love has become interchangeable almost with the word lust. We see someone beautiful and we think that we love them, we see someone rich or powerful. Or strong, and we think we love them when all we really want is for their beauty to become our beauty, for their money to become our money. We just want what they have. That's not real love. But in the Bible, love is very different. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, that that famous love passage, it specifically says that love does not envy. That if you love, then there is no room for jealousy. Tim Keller, a famous pastor and author, he said it this way, real love is putting your happiness into someone else's happiness. Real love is saying, I love you so much that I can't be happy unless you have joy. Isn't that beautiful? That when you flourish and grow, then I grow too. That when you're happy and you are growing and you are exceeding, that makes me grow too. That makes me exceed too. And this is what we want in this church. This is what Shining Star is all about here. It's the whole purpose of, of what we do when we meet for life group. It's the whole purpose of why we go downstairs after service. It's the whole purpose of why we try to contact each other, of why we try to open up our schedule, why, even when it's difficult, we try to pick up the phone, why we try to call one another, why we try to invest in each other's lives. It's hard, but that's love. Love is loving each other, even in the good and the bad. Is investing in one another. It's putting your happiness into someone else's happiness. It's saying that I love you so much that I can't be happy unless you have joy. This is what the early church in Acts did. This is what we as a church strive to do. And look, man... For us, we are going to experience some of the worst things that this world has to offer. And if you can't find that kind of support in this church, then where are you going to turn? Honestly, where will you turn? Because this world, we have said again and again, is dog-eat-dog, it's a competitive place, it is always in comparison, and yet we try to find our support and our care and our love in that place. Absolutely not. Those things will always fall apart the only place where you will ever be able to find a semblance of what real love is, of what true biblical love is in the church. Because here, this is what we constantly are trying to teach. That your joy is my joy. That your sadness is my sadness. That your tears are my tears. And yet we will go through this together. That we are here in this together. That we will invest together. Not because of our own abilities, not because of who you are, not because of who I am, but simply because of our God, Jesus Christ. We've talked about how God, how David was a man after God's own heart, a faithful man of God, and yet he still wasn't enough he still wasn't enough, that there was a true king that would come after him. What I want you to know is that Jonathan was a great man of God. He loved, he truly loved David, and he loved the Lord. But there was someone who came after him that was the very definition of love. Someone who gave up his kingship and his armor for people who, did, who didn't even care about him. It says in the Bible that Jesus was the ultimate glory, but he emptied himself to become a human and to become vulnerable in order to die for us. For Jonathan, he knew that the only way to put David on the throne was for him, was for him to leave the throne. And this is what Christianity is. The only way that you will ever truly live, brothers and sisters, the only way that you will truly ever follow Jesus Christ is if you give up the kingship of your own heart. Because for a lot of us, we are still in the very center of our hearts, that we are the kings and the queens of our own lives, that we are the kings and the queens of our own hearts, And yet, what God continually tells us is that the only way that you will survive, the only way that you will thrive, the only way that you will truly love is by giving up your throne to Him. This is the only way that you will ever be free from jealousy. And it is the only way that you will ever be able to turn towards Jesus Christ. You will never be satisfied. I've talked about how books have shaped my life. And yet even the greatest book will end. No matter how many series I could read, no matter how many great books I can invest in, at the end of the day, all of those books have an end. Everything in this world is temporary. Everything in this world will only last for a moment. There are things in this world that are so tragic and that are so broken. And we constantly turn towards this world for comfort and yet they can only satisfy us for a moment and yet we believe in a God that is eternal, that is past, present, and future. And that is the same God who has given up everything because he loves us and he cares for us. He has given up his throne. He has given up his armor because he loves us. And because of his love, because of what he did for us, we don't need to compare with one another. We don't need to be jealous of anybody in this world because we have the greatest gift. We have everything, absolutely everything that you could ever want. Right now, we live in the richest country in the world. We have family and friends around us. We have a church here. We have every blessing we could want, and yet the world tells us that it's not enough. Don't let the world dictate your choices. Do not let the world tell you what you can and can't have. Let the Bible show you that you can be thankful in all circumstances, that you can love unconditionally, not because of your abilities, but simply because Jesus Christ is Lord over our lives. And so for you, brothers and sisters, will you choose to be jealous or will you choose to be thankful? It is your choice. It's your choice.